Hi, and welcome to the latest Sublime podcast series. Today, I am joined by Eloise Scott and Alex Lord, who are going to be discussing the impending mass migration crisis likely to occur between Turkey and the EU. So thanks for joining both of y'all. So Turkey's recent decision to relax its Western borders with Bulgaria and Greece, opening the way for migrants and refugees to journey into the EU, is raising concerns of a repeat of the 2015 migrant crisis. So firstly, Eloise, what was the reason for President Erdogan's decision? What underlining issues and drivers are we seeing that led to this decision to open the borders? Yeah, thanks, Katie. So um, initially, current events are, are definitely rooted in longer term issues for Turkey, both domestically and internationally. Um, so just for a bit of wider context, um, nearly 10 years ago, Erdogan was pretty keen to host Syrian refugees, um, particularly after the uh, outbreak of the Arab Spring in 2011, as this allowed him to kind of bolster his Islamic credentials and those of his ruling AKP party. However, as time went on and economic pressure just, like, started to build, with the Lira collapse in 2018, public opinion began to shift away from being supportive of Syrian refugees, um, resulting in greater hostility. So actually, the idea of creating safe zones in northern Syria hasn't hasn't been a new idea for Erdogan. As public opinion started to shift, this has been uh, quite a long-term policy aim, um, as this would allow him to facilitate the return of some of the country's 3.6 million Syrian refugees. And actually, this became particularly prevalent last year after key losses in Istanbul and Ankara municipality elections. And actually, those were quite a significant push factor, possibly, for the incursion in northern Syria that we saw in October. Um, and then finally, actually, the trigger, again, was rooted in, in what's going on in Syria. So at the end of February, there were attacks that culminated in the, the deaths of tens of Turkish soldiers and an escalating violence that was causing more displacements towards the Turkish border. And actually, now we see a situation where Erdogan finds himself in essentially open warfare and direct conflict with not only Syrian government forces, but also those that are obviously backed by Russia. Um, and there is evidence that there has been some direct clashes. So obviously this is costly both economically, but also politically given the shift in public opinion. So Turkey cannot afford to take more refugees. So with, with events in, in Syria really hotting up, that, that was definitely the trigger for what we've seen um, happening now on EU borders. Thanks, Eloise. So we're seeing the continuation of some long-term trends that are really being catalyzed by the increase in violence in Syria. So Alex, this development obviously puts a lot of pressure on Greece and the European Union more broadly. How has the EU been reacting to this? Yeah, so there's obviously been quite a lot of concern that this will turn into a repeat of the European migrant crisis that we saw in 2015. The EU's border and coast guard agency Frontex, for example, have said that they are expecting mass migration flows that that will be difficult to stop. So the EU are naturally concerned. The European Commission President, Ursula von der Leyen, as well as a number of other high-ranking EU officials, um, travelled to the Greek border earlier this week and were keen to reiterate their commitment to avoiding a repeat of the crisis and present a united front. To that end, the EU have announced a 700 million euro package to aid Greece in guarding their borders with Turkey, which after all are the external borders of the whole European Union and the Schengen area as well. Additional measures have also been announced, um, including the beefing up of Frontex's deployments to the region, with seven extra vessels, more guards and more equipment being sent to the border. The Bulgarian government has also confirmed that troops are ready to be deployed at their land and maritime borders if the situation deteriorates. So while these measures have come quite quickly, which I think clearly reflects some lessons learned from the 2015 crisis, the European Union remains divided on how to deal with Turkey. States like Greece and Cyprus, for example, 
have naturally been calling for a harsher stance against the Turks, particularly in light of a recent gas dispute in the eastern Mediterranean. But other countries, such as Germany, have favoured more cooperation with Turkey and have continued to champion the refugee deal that was signed in 2016, uh, the deal basically providing EU money to help Turkey house Syrian refugees. That deal is, of course, null and void if Turkey continues with its current policy. But Erdogan's latest move is threatening to alienate more moderate countries within the EU. At an EU summit on Wednesday, EU ministers recognised the pressures Turkey is under, but they also denounced Turkey's use of migratory pressures for political purposes. The Prime Minister of the Netherlands, Mark Rutte, for example, also came out and stated that the EU shouldn't renegotiate with Turkey when they're holding a knife to its throat. That sort of rhetoric obviously doesn't bode well for Turkey's attempts to gain greater EU support. Right, so obviously a lot of political connotations there. But what are the implications for European businesses? Would you say that this situation has the potential to affect businesses over the coming months? Yeah, so if the 2015 migrant crisis is anything to go by, then European businesses could definitely be be affected by a new wave of immigration. Like I said earlier, the EU are keen to prevent any repeat of this that cr- earlier crisis, and as a result, stricter border controls could well be rolled out on an ad hoc, ad hoc basis if the situation escalates. This is the potential to disrupt transit of goods and labour, potentially affecting supply chains across the continent. But we also have the COVID-19 outbreak to consider. Countries are already considering more drastic measures to stem the spread of the virus, even before Turkey's decision to open their borders. The potential for a new migrant crisis will most likely crystallise desires in many Central and Eastern European governments in particular to close borders and restrict the movement of goods and people sooner rather than later. Ultimately, the massive impact that the 2015 crisis had across Europe means that the EU is under a lot of pressure to protect the Schengen border, particularly from right-wing governments and parties. For example, the Austrian Chancellor, Sebastian Kurz, announced that he could close Austria's borders if the EU failed to stop the flow of migrants into Central Europe. Similarly, Matteo Salvini, leader of the far-right League party in Italy, has said that Italy's borders could close if the situation worsens. With Germany still reeling from a far-right political crisis over the Fringi elections last month, rhetoric surrounding a new migrant crisis will likely be utilised by far-right parties across the continent and put heightened pressure on more moderate governments and parties to take a harder line. This is likely to increase policy uncertainty over the coming weeks, posing additional risks for businesses at a time of already heightened uncertainty due to the COVID-19 outbreak. Great. Thanks for that, Alex. So, Eloise, how do you see the situation developing, especially in light of the ceasefire that was signed on the 5th of March? Is this a long-term policy for President Erdogan, do you think? Yeah, so I think um, with regards to the ceasefire that was signed, as you said, on the 5th of March between Putin and Erdogan, it very much seems to have been a sort of preliminary agreement that's essentially avoided all-out conflict between the two sides, which obviously would have been pretty devastating. So in that sense, it's been positive for Erdogan. He's been able to stop the conflict for now. Um, But actually, uh, it seems to have been a bit of a skeleton agreement. There are no provisions for the IDPs, the um, internally displaced persons in Syria. Um, The Syrian government forces have been able to keep their advancements that they've made in recent weeks. So actually, we're probably going to see a continuation of conflict. Already within minutes of the ceasefire, there were reports that it had been broken by Assad's forces anyway. 
So actually, yeah, in, in the longer term, we, we were likely to see an uptick in conflict levels, um, particularly between Erdogan's forces and Assad's forces, which will likely continue to drive displacements towards the border as it hasn't really resolved this issue. So yes, in terms of whether we see this as being a, a longer term concern, uh, it certainly will be because it hasn't satisfied any of Erdogan's main policy aims of being able to protect areas that he sees as safe zones. Um, and also he's essentially just lost territory to Assad's army. Great. Thanks for that, Eloise. So thanks to all of you guys for listening. Uh, As always, feel free to like, share, and comment. Any questions, comments, or concerns, please do send them in to info at sublime.co.uk. 